talk this morning, I'm going to start in the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I hope this won't be too long. I'm sure it won't. And um, I, I probably expect we won't be eating for a little while because I think some of the food needs to be re, uh, warmed up. Oh, sorry. Um, but anyway, we'll get you out and get on with the day as soon as we can. So the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah beginning is, is the beginning of a book within a book. For the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah is primor, primarily focused on the captivities of Israel and Babylon and all of the wars and things that were going on in those first 39 chapters. And so there's only a few forward-looking prophecies within that 39 chapters. But when you get to the 40th chapter of Isaiah through the, through the end of the book, which is the 66th chapter, it completes, completely changes the message. And it focuses on the first and second advents of Christ as well as the end times. So with that said, as a matter of fact, there are some scholars that say that chapter 40 verses 1 and 2 closes out the first 39 chapters as it tells of Jerusalem there in those first two verses to comfort yourselves because your wars are over, your victories have been won, and you've been pardoned for your iniquities and not only that, but God has given you double for the double the mercy for your sins. So we move on to verses three through five. And they are prophetic of both advents of Christ, preparing the way for the initial coming, the birth of Christ, and the second coming, the return of Christ. All in that little short three-verse uh, passage there because it ends with the end-time witnesses of Enoch and Elijah. Of course, we know that's end-time prophecy. So it's both interesting and amazing that at the beginning of this transitional chapter sits a very critical prophecy in these verses. The prophecy given by God to Isaiah in the Old Testament, and you know, I love it when the Old Testament and the New Testament are hand in hand and reflect each other. Hundreds of years before the fulfillment of this birth, and it gives the personality and the message of this baby who's going to be born, and that it would be, he would be proclaimed to be one crying in the wilderness. So verses three through five, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it, spoken it. So now for the rest of the story, that was sort of the 
preamble, and this is the rest of the story in Luke 1. And while you're turning there, while Isaiah recounts the prophecy given to hundreds of years before the fulfillment of the birth of John the Baptist, it didn't tell us about the miraculous birth except in the book of Luke. The book of Luke is the only one of the four Gospels that talks about the birth of John the Baptist. And we want to look at that this morning. So in chapter 1, verse 6, Luke tells us that John's parents, Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth, were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the ordinances and the commandments. But they had one problem. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Yes, she, a righteous woman before God, Scripture clearly tells us she's not being judged, she's not being, uh, you know, chastised. She just was barren as a righteous woman. She bore the shame of this and this awful reproach from her society. And while they had prayed for many years for a child, they had given up because Elizabeth aged out of the childbearing ability. The years had passed her that she couldn't bear children anymore. Her bodily functions did not work that way. Yet, yet, she had been chosen by God to bear the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When the angel Gabriel came to the temple to tell Zechariah, the father, that he was, or the, the priest, that he was going to be a father, he found Zechariah carrying out his priestly duties, being where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to do, preparing the temple by lighting the incense, and all the congregation was outside in prayer waiting to come into the temple for Zechariah to minister to them. So verse 11 of chapter 1 of Luke says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was afraid, but the angel said, Fear not, for thou thy prayer has been heard. Now, in my, in my Bible, it says, thy prayer is heard. But the Greek, the commentary says that the Greek translation should say, was heard in the past tense. Either way, God heard the prayer. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. God met Zechariah right where he was, at the point of his duty, doing exactly what he should have been done. How many times do you think he was in that temple, lighting that incense, getting pre uh, prepared to pray for the people and minister to them that are waiting outside, and no angel came? But this day, the angel came. The name John means Jehovah shows favor. And John is one of only seven persons mentioned in the Bible 
who received their name before birth. And thou shalt have joy, verse 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor any strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Not only did he get a name before he was born, he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to their God. Verse 17, And he, John, shall go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, what a mistake. <laughs> he said, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. But the angel of the Lord ignored all those excuses. He knew what his message was. He knew who he had been sent from to deliver that message. Can you just imagine how Gabriel must have thought, you crazy human, if you just hadn't gone there? <laughs> and he answered and said, I am Gabriel. I love this. I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and I am sent here to speak unto you and show you these glad tidings. And you can kind of imagine the rest of that sentence might sound like, and here you are talking about all the impossibilities that you think are a problem with this. And behold, you asked for a sign, Zechariah. Well, you're going to get one. <laughs> Thou shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. You can take it to the bank. I think when Gabriel, I think Gabriel got his message through that time. And the scripture goes on to say, that Elizabeth, who was between 60 and 90 years old, which was the meaning of well-stricken in age, when it said those words it means, between 60 and 90 years old and well beyond childbearing ability, she conceived and she hid herself for five months, just basking in the experience, enjoying the status that she now had as a mother-to-be. I can just imagine how she nested in her home, preparing the things for the baby, preparing the space the baby would need, and all of the things that would be relevant to having a first child. And she said, Thus the Lord hath dealt with me in the days whereon he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. She didn't have to bear it any longer. Now she mattered. 
Now she had status and she was going to be a mother. God both answered her prayer and gave her a divine appointment with destiny. Think about it. For God had claimed John to be the forerunner of Christ, the right-hand man that would make it all possible for Christ to come in and do the things that God called him to do. First, John had to be born. God had given explicit instruction, instructions to Zechariah for how this special child was to be raised. And he put the Holy Spirit in him, in the womb, to seal him for his glory while Elizabeth carried him. And he would lead many hearts to God. And it goes on. Six months later, the angel Gabriel was sent on another divine assignment. Verse 26 says that he was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin girl named Mary to deliver the most spectacular message of all time. Elizabeth said that when Mary went to visit her after her own divine appointment with Gabriel, that's when John leapt in her womb for joy, and she was also filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth honored Mary as the mother of her Lord. She recognized the divinity that was in Mary's womb, the child, the Christ child. And she believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Those were Elizabeth's words. And verse 57, And when, El when Elizabeth's time was come to deliver, she brought forth a son. And on the eighth day of circumcision, her family members said, We shall call him Zachariah after his father. And you know the story, but Elizabeth said, No, his name shall be John. And they were aghast. What? You're not going to name this baby after his dad? So they went to Zechariah and gave him a writing tablet and said, What is his name? And Zechariah said, His name shall be John. And the hand of the Lord opened immediately Zechariah's mouth, and he was able to speak. And the Bible said he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, speaking to his son John, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and he was in the desert till the day of his showing to Israel." Yeah, he was unorthodox. He didn't fit the mainstream prophet school that everybody else went to, not John. 
He didn't get the dress code memo either. <laughs> he didn't fit into society's high dining groups. But he was God's anointed. And he, made, he was made strong in the spirit and power like Elijah, both prof, prof, prophesied in Isaiah and in Luke. And it was his job to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. You know, Zechariah was told that your son is going to be great before he was even conceived. Gabriel's message was clear that age meant nothing. Physical condition meant nothing. But the condition of the heart meant everything in this plan of God. For Elizabeth was an aged woman, but Mary was a young girl. But God's plan supersedes both in, ends of that spectrum. The young and the old makes no difference in God's plan. And was John's work a success? Later in Matthew chapter 11, when John was already in prison and he had sent two of his disciples to see if it was really Jesus that people were talking about, that he'd heard about, and Jesus said these words, There hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, and that the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is the message you should give to John. He's telling the two that John sent to check him out, and he said, The one who came in the spirit and power of Elijah, tell him this, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor has received the gospel. Aren't you thankful that God sent the message? And he, John, shall go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the of the I can't say that the disobedience to the wisdom of the just and make ready the people for their Lord. We still need a savior today. We still need a prophet to go before and say, "Listen, there's one coming. You need to get right with God. Here's the plan. Listen to it. Follow it." And this is exactly what we've been praying for. Everything that is turned upside down will be righted. Everything that's backwards would be made straight, just like it said in the book of Isaiah. That the angry, undisciplined children would turn their hearts back to their father. And that the disobedient would hear the wisdom of the just and that people would be ready for a savior. And I believe that that's the purpose of the church right now. I really do. Let's pray. Father, you had the perfect plan. You orchestrated it all. You chose the messenger to deliver your word, Gabriel. You chose the perfect father and mother to raise the one you sent 
to pave the way for the Savior. And most of all, Lord, you chose the perfect Savior, your own precious Son. And Lord, this is relevant today. I thank you that you're working your perfect plan even now amidst everything we see, which is chaos. But you know the plan and we trust your word. We give you the, the, the latitude, Lord. We give you the space to move in your time because you are God and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.